This is Finessing Your Finances with Baruch Lubinsky on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn, and Baruch, today we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies and speculative investments. The big talk now, as we all know, is Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. People are saying it's the most brilliant investment ever. Everyone has put all their money into Bitcoin. Wait, if you do that, you're a complete idiot. Don't you dare touch it. It's totally speculative. It's going to fall apart. It's going to collapse. I don't know anything about it. I just know that it's the big talk. What is your feeling about investing in speculative investments and cryptocurrency like this? What I tell people in general, and it's not just related to Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies out there, because there are many other currencies that have been gaining a tremendous amount of strength over the last year. It's not just Bitcoin. It's not just Bitcoin. In fact, there's a number of other, what's called them secondary or the tertiary markets, where the valuations and the multiples in those currencies are actually well outperforming what Bitcoin has done recently, which makes them even more speculative. And each one of them has its own advantages and disadvantages that proponents like You're not saying that Bitcoin is the safe cryptocurrency. No, but it's it's the one that started, probably, I don't know if technically it was the first one or it was, it was the first one that really went big. Best PR department. And the one that people know about and they use it as being like the flagship for the industry as a whole. But we have to distinguish between the currencies themselves and the technology. The technology, the blockchain technology is fascinating. I'm not a technical person. But it's fascinating to read about it and to see how it's going to impact on a lot of product development and a lot of technology around the world. What is blockchain in basic non-technical terms? My understanding is that it's distribution of information among different networks and computers so that it's not based in one location. Again, don't ask me the technical side of it. But it's directly related to the general decentralization people talk about when they talk about Bitcoin. Correct. And that's one of the reasons why the technology was developed, because instead of having well-regulated currencies where governments knew exactly where their currencies were in the flow, or at least they tried to track it and they and they could identify it and they could try to force people to be reporting the revenue and the profits, et cetera, and all, on all activity around the world. So people saw within these cryptocurrencies the the ability to hide that income. Because if it's something that is no longer traceable, because it's no longer in one central location and it's being transferred in indirect ways, so then no government can then know exactly the flow of revenue. In other words, it does some of the same things the Swiss bank account does, except unlike their word, their withholding of information by their own choice, this fundamentally means the information is unobtainable because it's all over the place. Yeah, what, I, what I would describe it as being closer to what a Swiss bank account was 20 years ago or 50 years ago. Swiss bank accounts used to be exactly that. They used to be numbered bank accounts with complete banking secrecy, and that was all exploded a number of years ago when the U.S. forced the Swiss banking industry to have complete disclosure of of the accounts, and it has changed the way the financial industry around the world is operating. There used to be a lot more money that was in numbered accounts or offshore. An offshore state is is a state that does not have a local taxation for non-residents. So if you were not resident in Switzerland and and you deposited your money in Switzerland and invested it there, so then you didn't have to pay taxes in Switzerland. And there were many other countries like that, offshore countries where money flowed for decades, and I would even say centuries, and things have changed in the last decade or two. 
and I think cryptocurrencies were a reaction to this that because maybe people didn't have the ability to hide money or or maybe it just was a, an outflow of the technology, but it definitely has changed um, and it has now become the hottest thing right on the planet in terms of investment. Last year in 2017, that was the place to be if you wanted to see tremendous gains in your portfolio. And there are a lot of people out there who have, in theory, on paper, made a tremendous amount of money. Well, what do you mean by on paper? On paper means that they might actually own X amount of this coin, a Bitcoin. You know, a Bitcoin right now, it varies so much on a daily basis, but the last time I saw it, it was fifteen, fifteen and a half thousand dollars for a single Bitcoin. That means if somebody bought a coin, let's say they bought a hundred coins when it was selling for fifty dollars. So that would have cost them five thousand dollars. And now that coin that they paid five thousand dollars for You got close to a million bucks in your hands. Correct. But it's not in their hands because it's actually only available through the network, through the cryptocurrency. But can't you sell it the way you sell a stock? Meaning if it's selling at $15,000, I'll sell you my Bitcoin. So they can try to. But the way that the, the industry works is that there isn't the same amount of liquidity. Because with a regular currency, with a dollar, why am I able to buy something in the United States with a dollar? Why am I able to go into a store here and buy something with a shekel? Because there's a government that stands behind that paper money. And they say, if I give my dollar to somebody else, and then that person wants to actually get something back for that dollar, that the government says, yes, I will stand behind it and make sure that it's honored. I see. But if there's nobody standing behind it, that's not necessarily going, they're not going to be able to buy or sell something. Now, the whole basis of the cryptocurrency is that you should be able to use it to buy things, right? If it's a it's currency- It's technically a form of currency. Right, well, that's why some people call it a misnomer. How many people can walk in with a cryptocurrency of a one Bitcoin, which is now worth $15,000, and buy something at the supermarket or pay for anything? There are so few vendors out there that will accept Bitcoin or any of the cryptocurrencies that it doesn't allow people to have liquidity. It doesn't allow you to go out there and actually buy something with it. That means it's not really a currency in the sense that a currency is meant as an interchange, as a form of interchange, as a medium of being able to enable buyers and sellers who are not in the same room together to sell their wares. If I have a seller who's selling potatoes and I have a buyer and he wants to buy avocados and they're not able to transact. So instead, the seller will sell it and he will be able to get the currency and, and the buyer will be able to get what he wants using that same currency and they'll be able to transact. That was the whole invention of currency, of money. And it used to be in the old days, it used to be precious metals, which in theory have a value because people want them. And eventually it turned into paper money where a government will stand behind it. So in paper money, it represents a theoretical value that stands behind a, a certain amount of wealth. Once upon a time, the United States dollar, for example, was on the gold standard. So every dollar represented a dollar's worth of gold, whatever that means per se. Eventually, the dollar was taken off the gold standard, which means it represents whatever the government says a dollar represents. But now with cryptocurrency, it sounds like it represents whatever random people anywhere say it represents, and therefore there's nothing standing behind it. So is that true? I repeatedly hear people talk about it's only worth what people say it's worth, which in theory Correct. is true for everything. But other, in other situations with regular currency, the government stands behind it. Here, there's nothing behind it. That, that is essentially correct. And why has the price gone up so much this year? 
it's gone up because of the demand, the speculative demand by people who think it's the next greatest thing since white bread, and then they keep buying and pricing up. The more you have demand, the more that demand outstrips supply, you're going to see an increasing valuation. And that's going to continue until eventually the bubble gets pricked. I was going to mention the word bubble. How is it different than any other bubble? It's a theoretical amount. It's not based on anything. So a lot of people will claim that there is absolutely no difference between this. In fact, this might even be the largest bubble that we've ever seen. I mean, I've seen charts that have documented the the very famous tulip bubble that took place a couple hundred years ago where you see the run-up and this has been one of the only assets that have actually, has actually paralleled that same incredibly steep growth in value right now. Everyone knows what happens with, with the tulip bubble. It was popped and things went from being sky high to being worthless within a very short period of time. And again, I don't know whether it's going to happen in the short term, but people have to realize that there really isn't, in my opinion at least, there really isn't a true value behind these currencies. It is based on speculation at this point So this gets us back to our original question about Correct. the it's, value of or the wisdom of investing in speculative right. currency. Whenever you invest... And, and this is an investment. It's not a currency. You're not buying a currency tomorrow that you can go out and use for your vacation. You're buying an investment. An investment is something you want to go up in value. And investments like companies or bonds have something behind it. They have a company that is, in theory, selling things, that is producing profits, that's going to be able to pay back its loans. It's going to be able to pay back its shareholders or the shareholder will grow in value. It's also based on speculation. It's also based on demand. But in theory, at least, there should be a correlation. I'm not so sure with regards to cryptocurrencies that we have that same backing and that there's a correlation between the value, the underlying value of that cryptocurrency and what people are actually paying today. And as a result, just like we have seen tremendous growth, we could also see a bubble be popped very, very, very quickly. And people have to realize that that you can make a lot of money and you can lose a lot of money. And you have to have a realistic plan in place. You have to really know is this if this is ultra speculative and it is i think this, that cryptocurrencies are pretty much as far out as you can get in terms of speculation right now right? currency markets in general are considered to be speculative because they can vary wildly over time but on a day-to-day -day basis the average currency doesn't vary more than a couple cents here or there, a couple percent up and down in value. You might have wild swings of currencies of high single digits, you know, maybe even higher if it was like a, really a crash. But compared to what we're seeing with cryptocurrencies, where you're seeing 20%, 30% up and down jumps on a day-to-day -day basis. So this will have to be classified as being on the ultra-speculative side of things, of your investment portfolio. And you have to realize, if you're putting money in there to try and make a lot of money, that's great. You might make a lot of money, but you also might lose that money completely, and you have to at least be prepared. So let me give you my plan of how I'm going to invest in speculative currency and tell me if this makes sense in cryptocurrency. What I'm going to do is I'm going to first make about $100 million. I'm then going to take $100,000 of that $100 million and invest in cryptocurrency and see what happens. Is that a reasonable plan? That's a very reasonable plan. Uh, I, I, the I first wish, half is the hard part. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I wish uh, I, I'd be able to do that um, immediate first half, and then we can talk about the next half. Yeah, we can half decide later it. on if we should do the second half. You know, it almost sounds, mm -hmm. when you talk about cryptocurrency on some level like baseball cards. Someone at one point decided that baseball cards have value. 
even though they're just pieces of paper. And it's not backed by a government. It's backed by whatever consumer demand there is in Cooperstown, New York, or wherever else. And should one day someone decide, these are pieces of cardboard, we don't want them anymore, then it would simply crash the entire market. Is it a good comparison? Uh, it's got an element of comparison. I mean, maybe I would compare it to art in a certain sense. right? Why is this piece of art worth more than this piece of art? Right? Again, there's mm-hmm. talent involved. There are things that that we've seen that have staying power. I mean, it's the same thing with, with gold and silver. Who says that gold is worth X amount more than silver or any other precious or any other metals? Okay, so there are things that the history, have history of the world. and the thousands of years, and, and there is an actual benefit, a usage for all these metals. But to a certain degree, when things are not utilitarian and they are based on the emotions, they're based on you know, historical norms, or in this case, they're based on on a lot of hype and speculation and people talking. And the internet obviously has the ability to spread information at a rate that we have never seen ever in the past. As well and as disinformation. That's correct, too. It's all so, part of the same pie. Correct. I heard a very good description by Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, we all know, he's not a little small-time investor, the most successful investor probably in modern age. So he described it as being based on FOMO, fear of missing out. Ah. Anytime you know we have a, a younger child who doesn't want to go to bed. Or, that's or, FOMO. That's FOMO. Right, they don't want to miss out. They don't want to like go somewhere else because maybe they're going to have a better because time when over cleaning here. Cleaning the kitchen at eleven o'clock at night, they don't want to miss out on that. That's right, exactly. He's described it as being FOMO based. That people don't want to miss out, and so they're getting into it, and it's causing this this incredible cycle. And that and does he actually... predict that it's going to actually pop? Yes, he does. Okay, he does. But again, I'm far from me to call something that uh, Buffett hasn't weighed in on, but. I'm not saying I know when it's going to crash. I'm not saying I even know that it's going to crash. There are a lot of things in this world that can last much longer than the average person can have their bet last. So I'm not betting against it. I'm not going short against it because it's just as speculative the other side. To bet when it's going to crash, you can lose just as much money during that period of time. But I think it's fair to say from what you told me, at least my takeaway is that if you want to be safe in either direction, Maybe invest in something else. Yeah, or take a very small amount of money if you can do it nowadays, because it's not so easy to do it. You know, you might have had with my hundred million, not, not with Bitcoin at least, because one Bitcoin is fifteen thousand dollars. So the average person can't take fifty dollars and say, "Oh, you know, I'm going to just kind of play around with it." People could do that when the cryptocurrencies were valued very, very low, and I'm sure that they will actually split and they will, you know, come down, so it'll be easier for it people to. to to get into it. But and we see that with a lot of the other cryptocurrencies, the other secondary ones. They're already starting to split. No, not that they're starting to split, but that they're much cheaper in value because they're starting at much earlier points. It enables people to be able to get in and to speculate with a small amounts of money. Some kid in the the store, you have the whole mining technology, right? You have people being able to mine with a very small investment in in infrastructure and in computer technology to be able to to actually try and earn some bitcoins or whatever the coin is involved. Uh, but it will become increasingly more difficult for a small investor to get in. And uh, people have to think very, very seriously whether or not they can invest in something that can make the money and can also lose the money. You can't invest. It's a, and, it, and it goes, I think it's a, gener- a rule for all investing. You can't invest unless you are prepared to lose money. 
You can't. It's just not possible. Yes, this is the most speculative side of things, but it really relates to all investing. You can't, all go, you can't go into the stock market without that possibility. You can't go even into the bond market. There are governments that have crashed and people have lost tremendous amounts of, of money that was invested with the government, through a government bond. So there's always risk. The key is really identifying where you are on the risk spectrum, how much risk you can afford to take with this specific investment and how do you spread out your risk among all the different types of investments that you have and then being prepared to see the upside but also see the downside. And I guess that's why people need people like you, Baruch. I'm with Baruch Lebinsky, who is the author of Financial Guide to Aliyah and Life in Israel. And Baruch, if people want to reach you to get more information, how do they reach you? The best way is through our my website, www dot labinsky dot com l a b i n s k y you can reach our office directly at nine seven two two nine nine one zero zero two nine you've been listening to finessing your finances with Baruch Labinsky on jewishcoffeehouse dot com subscribe to this and other great podcasts at iTunes Stitcher SoundCloud or by going to jewishcoffeehouse dot com and please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast it will help us a lot.